I urge people to really, uh, if you if you have anything of value, put it into a trust, put it outside the probate process, because it's normal for lawyers uh, to take at least a third of your estate in, in fees. You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right, Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here. How are you doing today, Matt? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing very well. We're getting the first rains of our season. We had snow last week, so we're getting the first rain today, a little sprinkle, so we're very happy about that. That's Colorado weather, snow one day and 70 and sunny the next. Exactly right, exactly right. Well, Brian, we like to start with the difficult questions here. What's your okay. favorite ice cream? I My favorite ice cream, I just had one, was the Klondike bar, the little cube. It's not a cube, it's a little flat thing. And I, you know, I'm, everybody has their own way of eating the chocolate off of there. And I, I prefer to, to prefer those. But all ice cream is, there's no bad ice cream unless it's got kale in it, okay? <laughs> how, how do you eat the chocolate off of it? Do you just eat it like a sandwich or do you peel the chocolate off first? You, you, Peel back, and then you eat around the edges to free the top part, and then you pry up the top part and take the chocolate off, and you eat the rest. That's probably too much information, but that's kind of how I've, I've winnowed the technique down to that. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we were talking before the show, you eat one a day, so I would, yes. I would expect you to be a very experienced Klondike it's, bar eater. It's all technique. It's all technique. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, tell our listeners, uh, what's your scoop? What do you do today? Okay, what I'm doing today is I'm getting ready for the next big chance that everyone's going to have to make a lot of money in real estate. We are on the cusp of something that I haven't seen since 2008 and 2000, you know, the the subprime meltdown in the last recession. Um, I was able during that time to uh, essentially I acquired a bunch of properties, a bunch of single family houses, and uh, people were just giving me the properties. And so I basically did subject twos at that point. And we're getting real close to very similar conditions with people who are, uh, you know, they're going to have to get out of their house. They may have a really low interest loan, and uh, which makes the possibility of renting it, renting a property very, you know, I can I can cash flow and want to have a very interest loan. A friend of mine, Jeff Watson, just basically said, I don't care what the price of the house is. I care about the terms. I care if if I can make money on this and hold it. Because the market will come back in ten or fifteen years, and you know I'm I'm good with that. I've held on to those other ones for the same period of time, so I'm really just sitting on the edge. I'm also doing a little land investing and and stuff like that. Like I mentioned to you, uh, I still have my foot foot in there where I'm I'm sending out letters and and just marketing as much as I can to some real some land owners in Southern Colorado. So it's a couple things at once and just trying to make it happen. That's that's what most of it is. Yeah, you, you've been a guy that's done a lot of things from subject to, to probate, to land investing. Um, you made a point to tell me no fix and flips because like me, both of us are not handy. But where did your real estate journey begin? How did you get started? Well, I was finishing up a uh, my first postdoc after I got a PhD. And uh, there, I didn't want to teach. I was never a teach per, teacher person at a university kind of thing because in most universities, you you have spent 50% of your time uh, doing research, 50% of your time 
uh, searching for money. Then the other 50%, you can do whatever you want. So it's you're just slammed all the time. And I just didn't see, didn't really like the environment. So I figured, well, I, I can find a niche. And then uh, I got a letter from a guy named Jim Banks who said, hey, learn how to do uh, probate. And so I took the last little bit of money that I had saved up from graduate school and went off to uh, spend a weekend with Jim and 49 other people in Phoenix. And um, it was really quite eye-opening and stuff. We ended up going to the courthouse and things like that and doing the probate thing. And uh, I came back. I did it for about a year. I got a couple properties. I got a bunch of different things. I got some cars. I got some got some houses. And some of the some of the houses that actually I take, took those and and they grew in value enough that I was able ten thirty one and pick and pick up a couple other houses and do it that way, which I actually did where I got loans, which is insane. I will never, never apply for a loan again. The amount of paperwork that I have to do to get a loan now because they go, you control too many properties. Your debt to earning is really, really bad. And I said, okay, but is there anything late? Is there anything ever been late? Yeah. And, I said, well, and it's no. still earning. Yeah, it's still earning. I'm still doing this whole thing. So, and I guess the testament to that, that I was doing the right stuff was when the, when the sub subprime collapse happened, I didn't lose a single house. I didn't do you know, I was able to keep all the properties and keep them going. And so I came back and did all that stuff. Uh, this was like 1994. And I went ahead and uh, called all of the other 49, 49 participants because we got their phone number and stuff like that. And what I thought was interesting was I was the only one who had done anything. All wow. those other people had spent that 5000 It must have been an expensive weekend. I like Phoenix, but not that much. And so to spend or sit around with a bunch of people eating candies and bonbons, that's fun, but not for me. And so I came back, did that. And then I actually thought I still had to get a job. So I went ahead and, uh, but an opportunity came up to work in El Paso, Texas, do a postdoc at UTEP. So I went down there and part of the way there, when you get down there, you, you found that uh, you can't do probate in Texas. Texas is a very close state, close records and everything like that. So, and Fortunately, I saw uh, Carlton Sheets, an ancient person on there who said, no money down. And so I ended up picking, using his techniques. And uh, I didn't spend a lot. Of, actually, that course, $5,000 was probably the most I've ever spent on a course and type of thing. I, I try to keep a course under $100 or two, three, four, maybe $500 I'll pay for a course. But I don't go for these really high-end stuff, you know, $10,000, like, no and so, um, but I, I, it was when late informationalized, infomercial with Carlton Sheets, buy houses, no money down. So I got it and uh, <clears throat> I started picking up properties and I kind of made the mistake. Uh, I don't know if it was a mistake. I signed up for their coaching on the thing and, and I knew more than the coach, which was very frustrating. So I've never signed up for coaching since. It's like, okay, I can learn this stuff. And so I proceeded along. And, and did that, picked up properties in El Paso and just kind of so going from there. Go ahead. Did you originally get started in probate? Uh, yes, I would say probate was the place I started. And All right. So, Let's start but, there because I, I, I personally have never done anything probate. But if okay. that's a new term for anybody that's listening, could you quickly just define what probate is? Probate is the process where the legal process of dispersing an estate. You If you die... Your your process you you go through probate if you have any any assets of value, and often it's done 
Uh, if you have debtors, they come to the probate process and say, hey, look, this person owes this, this money or something. And the court will assign a personal representative to your case or an executor or an exec executrix if it's female. And so they, um, and it's the responsibility of that person to make sure all the funds are distributed from the estate and all the debts are paid. And so you end up contacting them. And it was pretty easy in Colorado at that point. You could just go down to the courthouse and say, hey, give me a stack of probate. <laughs> and so they've wised up. The uh, the lawyers have wised up significantly. I had a friend who, uh, he he was in he was a lawyer of some sort in a public thing. And then he goes, oh, I'm getting out of this. And he got into probate. And probate is something, and I, I urge people to really, uh, if you if you have anything of value, put it into a trust, put it outside the probate process, because it's normal for lawyers uh, to take at least a third of your estate in in fees. So the best thing to do is take your take your assets, your house, your cars, anything of value, put it into a trust, and make you know a simple land trust will keep it away from the lawyers. And because you, your family will not will lose a third of what you have in your estate, so it's better to do that. So, and I called, uh, I started calling people off this list, and I maybe, and the biggest probate's is scary because people go, okay, I'm going to call this dead person's relative and say, hey, do you have anything to sell? <laughs> and then you're like, oh my God, they're going to say you're you're this horrible person. Well. I think of the like I'm. I called about a thousand people, and uh, I maybe had one person who said that they started crying, and I sort of felt bad. So I said, oh, "Okay," but most of them, the body was not even cold, and they were trying to, and because they've been waiting, they've been this person's been either ill for a long time or anything like that, and they just want to get it over with. And so, and I don't mean to make people out to be bad when I say the body is not even cold, but they just want to get the process done with, and so they will. You know, and you just make an offer on the property and they either go for it or don't. And so what's included in that document? Is it what the fam what the assets are, the addresses? Like what's included? No, not in really. It's just what you have is uh you'll find out the uh pro the executor or the personal representative's name. And what I like to do is uh I've I, I shy I did not ever call like the spouse. You can see right away it's this person in the house. I don't like to call a spouse. That's type of thing where it's that's you all have your own rules and things like that. And so I would just check and you know I'd go okay here's here's a person there's a notice to creditors that comes out and that's that's what you normally see in the papers a notice to creditors and they'll say in the estate of John Smith uh, here's the, you know, any creditors please call a call personal representative uh, and a lot of times it's a it's a law firm do not call them the law firm is is you're already screwed. Uh, but if it's like, if it's Mrs. Smith, I don't call her because I'm assuming that's the wife or something like that. But if it's somebody else's name, you, you, you can call them. You look, before you call them, you look up in the public record, who, who owns what property? You just find out, okay, I go to the county website. I go to the county website and say, okay, there's a property owned by John Smith at this address. And it has the same address or something close like that. So you just call them up and you say, hey. You know, I'm. I didn't know. I saw that you, you, you know, lost family member. I, I, my condolences. And uh, do you know if there's going to be a house for sale? Or is there going to be a property for sale? And they will. Most people were really, really friendly and said, "Oh no, and you know, yeah, there's going to be a house for sale. We're getting it ready and stuff like that." And I kind of say, "Would you consider an offer or something like that?" And 
they would generally entertain any offer you would just because they're trying to see how things go. And you just go and just write up a contract and take it to your, to your title company. And just how, how did you make your offers? Did you do them sight unseen or did you actually get a chance to look at the property? And if it was sight unseen, how did you get it to evaluation? Um, basically, I would just go over there. I would say, hey, can I come over? And I'd just, and Jim Banks, the guy I took the class from, uh, he has a course out there on, on doing probate. Um, he, uh, he just said, just write on a piece of paper, just get out a piece of paper that says, and just write everything down in front of them. I don't necessarily like to do that now. I did that then when I really didn't know what I was doing. Now I know what I'm doing and I'm even scarier. No, i kidding about that. <laughs> but I, you know, I would go, I just would take a piece of paper and, and just say, okay, this is your name. This is my name. You're the, you're the, the executor for the estate and therefore you can sell this property to me. And then we'd put the price and we'd put any terms and everything in the closing date. And it was very, very simple. I'd take it to the title company and just say, here, Here's what they said, and the, and they were always mad at me because they said you don't have the correct form. I said, but it's a legal and binding document. And they said yes, but you don't have the right form. So I said, so put it on the right form, and we'll be fine at closing. And they generally did, you know. So that's it's very simple, straightforward. I would look at a property, and you know they didn't have the tools. You know, 30 years ago there were no tools like what we have today. It was like I'm looking at a property, going okay. It's got a, it's got a foundation. It's not cracked. The windows don't look bad. You know, it's, it's, if you're getting a good enough deal, you kind of just cruise with it, you know, that's, yeah. and that's how it was. And so do, that's go ahead. Do you still do probate today? No, I haven't. Although I've sent out, I've done a little bit. I'm still, I'm not doing as much because uh, the lawyers in Colorado have locked everything up where essentially we used to be able to go to the courthouse and say, hey, I'd like this. Let me see the last 10 probates. And now they're charging, you know, a significant amount just to look at those. And I found there's a place, I think the Golden Transcript in Golden, Colorado is one of the places because the what, what's happened is that lawyers set up a special newspaper like in Colorado Springs that's outrageously expensive that has the notice to creditors. And they say, oh, just publish it here and only lawyers see that. And so, but the uh, golden transcript still, and I probably shouldn't say this because I'll probably stop doing this, is they still put out the notice to creditors. And the one thing I would say to people is if you you do that, where you go and you see the notice to creditors, if you see a lawyer's name on there, go to the next one. The lawyers, you will never get a deal from a lawyer because he's already he's already scraping everything out of it. And it, you know, it's like he's taking as much as he can out of the estate right. itself. He's not going right. to let anybody else share. So. It's a pretty simple process. So, what do, what's your lead source primarily today? Then, how are you finding I'm, leads today? I'm sending out mails, just mailings. Uh, I do and is that where it? Yeah, are postcards still working for you? Because I've heard like this trend of postcards used to work, and then everybody moved to text messages. Now everybody's tired of text messages, so it yeah. goes to voicemails. Now everybody's tired of voicemail and text messages, so postcards actually get more attention now. Like, yeah. I, is that what we are in the stage? Yeah, I just send out postcards. I have letters, like with Brent, he has a contract uh, that you send out to people for land. I still do the land. I sent out several hundred land uh, offers last week. I sent out a number of just, I just sent out postcards that say, you know, the thing about postcards is so cool is, People may, they see a letter, they go, oh, I'm not, this is obviously not somebody I know, so I'm going to throw it away. I'm not going to even open it up. But a postcard, everybody's so curious, they turn it over. And that's all I want them to do, turn it over and look at it. 
And I found even, and I did the same thing with pre-foreclosures for many years, send them a postcard. They'll turn the postcard over. And I had people say, well, I kept your postcard on my refrigerator for several months. Then I finally decided to call you. And so postcards are, I feel like the way to go. And, you know, it's just because people are curious and it's just the message is right there. I was with the probate. It's so funny. Is I had this one, I've only, I only had a few bad experiences sending out stuff on probate. And so this, I know it was pre-foreclosure. I get confused. Sadly, I've done too many things at this point. Um, I, I got a letter from, uh, I sent out a card to this woman. She goes, I can't believe you put my information about my pre-foreclosure on the postcard. I said, ma'am, it's public knowledge. She goes, yeah. you're a horrible person. I said, ma'am, I am a horrible person, but I've kept so many people from going into getting foreclosure on the record. I don't feel really bad about that. You know, and that's, that's the whole thing about as an investor, you're helping people. You're a, you're essentially, as much as an investor, you're a transaction engineer. You're trying to help somebody in trouble and make a little money on the side. And it's it's because they you get all this negative stuff about investors. I mean, I think we, the investors, pulled a bunch of the United States and the economy out of the hole when we bought so many of the subprime mortgages and the houses associated with them in 2008 through 2012. It's just amazing. And I was like, oh, you're a, you're a terrible investor. I saved you, okay? You didn't have to go through foreclosure. And I, right. you know, and so that's, that's, and that's what I try to do. It's just, I want to make something that works for them. I'm trying to help them. That's basically how I go into it. And that's it. I mean, when somebody goes through a foreclosure process, it all of a sudden damages their uh, credit ratings, which prohibits them from getting an apartment, which it's just a downward spiral. Yeah. So at least at the very least with the pre-foreclosure and by buying them ho their house out of the foreclosure process, then essentially you're saving them from being able to find homes in the future. So yes. I agree with you. Yes. It's, it's a, you know, it's a benevolent or nice thing to do. So, and I kind of, I went through and picked up stuff, like I was saying to you, is I did that and I bought some discontinued, like with the Carlton, no money down, Carlton sheets, no money down stuff through the early 2000s. Then I hit the uh, 2008 to 2012 subprime and people were giving me their houses. And then I did a bunch of subject twos at that point. Are you, um, are you doing us all yourself? Do you have any VAs or any kind of administrative assistance that are helping I've, you? I've done everything with the only VA, VA I have is my wife and she's not virtual. <laughs> She'll tell me you're not, I'm not virtual. Got it. And Got it. I, I, you know, I, I mean, the part of the thing is I worked full time through most of this because I, I got, I finally got on with, with, I got on with Boeing and they were, I did things, uh, this stuff called hyperspectral imaging, imaging spectroscopy. Essentially, we would look at satellite uh, stuff from higher to altitude aircraft in certain parts of the world, and we would look for things. And so um, that's, you know, it, uh, one of the one of the things, let's see, go back to what I did. The last thing I did that was pretty much public was um, shuttle Columbia recovery efforts. I don't know if you remember mm -hmm. shuttle Columbia. Oh, yeah. And we used our tech technology to locate pieces of the orbiter in East Texas. And so we, that's a lot of what we did is we could find things and using different wavelengths of light along the electromagnetic spectrum from visible through near, near IR, 400 to 2,500 nanometers. Um, I did pretty good. I was actually, you know, I was making six figures, but I, I figured, um, 
these people, they're not the nicest people in the world. They, they're kind of bloodthirsty and cutthroat. So I said, they're going to screw me someday. <laughs> and so I said, I need to start covering myself. And so I did it a single house at a time. And my wife was good enough to hang in there with me. And uh, so we just acquired properties like that. And I never, I never felt, never, uh, never felt the need to grow very big. And I've seen people do that. And I've seen so many people, they go in and they, they get money and they, they spend it. I felt like, like when I talked to Brent and stuff like that, I'm sorry, Brent, if you're hearing this and I shattered stream secrets, um, there's a tendency to, uh, spend too much money, get, get too, too extend, overextend yourself. And that's, I knew this guy, he had done, um, during, during, to, prior to the 2008, he had acquired, uh, like 60 or 70 properties where he was holding the mortgage and just doing a, he had the mortgage and then he'd get the mortgage and then he'd sell them, uh, a house and give them a mortgage. Well, the Colorado folks, uh, the, the attorney general said, you're acting just like a mortgage company. And where is your license? And I saw a bunch of people that happened to. And so he lost everything, all 60 houses. He went into, wow. he had to file bankruptcy. He was totally down the toilet and stuff. And I, I he got overextended. And I'm, I'm not saying Brent did anything like that. This is a guy by the name, Charlie, who did this. And I saw a number of people, actually, there was a guy here in uh, Woodland Park who did that. And they, the uh, AG, the state AG chased him out of the state for that very reason, because he was pretending to be a mortgage company and he wasn't licensed to do that. And so there are things that are, you know, kind of a uh, little loosey goosey that are that, that I, I will do. And so uh, I'm not, and, and I know Brent has done all the stuff above board and they're always a really great guy. Very, very honest, huge amount of integrity. That's the only people I'll work with. I don't like people that, that, um, there's a kind of a story in there. Uh, there was a, um, I was doing a pre foreclosure and there was a gentleman and I won't even name this, but he's in, uh, in, in Colorado here. And, uh, I went in, this lady called me, this old woman called me and said, Hey, uh, I need, I, I'm going to go into foreclosure. I'm going to, you know, go into foreclosure and stuff. And could you come and look at my place? I went there. She was a hoarder. She was like 85 years old. And I was walking in between stacks of papers and I just felt so bad for her. And she goes, I'm just trying to sell this so I can get into a, a, a retirement home or something like that. And I, she goes, but I signed with this one guy and he, and I'm sure he'll let me out of it. And I'm like, no, he's not going to let you out. And I knew the guy. And there's another guy who's super good, super good guy in Colorado Springs is Michael Jake. And I talked to Michael about about this guy and he goes I'll never work with him I will never work with him and and then I will never work with him again because I said to him he because he really talked this poor woman into giving nothing for her property and I said hey she's trying to do this she just needs a little bit a little you know give her 10 or 15 grand extra out of your profit there to get her you know so she can go here and he goes no I'm not doing that and I said that's not what this is about we're supposed to be helping people. And, you know, if you're going to be greedy, you know, it's just, it's not going to catch up to you. Yeah. And it did, it's okay. catching up to this guy. And, and we know in, in Colorado Springs who we can trust, like Michael Jake, he's a great guy. Um, Brent Bowers is a great guy. A uh, couple, uh, another mm -hmm. Michael, I'm trying to think of Mike's name, but it's really good. So, so what does your portfolio look like today? 
Um, it's basically hidden. <laughs> but the, the idea is, is uh, I took the Bill Bronchek School of uh, Asset Protection, and so I have a number of of single. I've mostly all single family homes. I've done because they that's where I fell in the whole thing, and I just kind of I've got a number uh, a certain range of them. I don't own anything. I control stuff, and right. so it's it, and it, I've got LLCs that are doing everything for me. Uh, the I, I've thought of going to some serial LLCs instead of having individual ones. Uh, you can do that in. I know you can do that in Wyoming, and there's a Maryland one I think you can set up too. And it's a really good idea. Keep no more than three properties in each LLC, and just just pro proceed along. So. I've been kind of sitting on the sidelines for maybe five or six years because of all the big stuff. And that's why I got into the land thing. Because I said, I don't want to go where everybody is because everybody's saying, oh, come to Colorado Springs and, you know, get a house and flip it. And by the time you, you know, you'll be able to make money because everything was going up so astronomically. Still is, but it's not the way it was. And it's going to get worse. I just noticed and I use this project thing called housing alerts which tells me basically are we appreciating or depreciating the market. Um, and so Color Springs has just transitioned into a depreciating market. And so that's that's where it was when I started acquiring stuff. And I think it's going to get worse. But what, What's the name of that website? It's housingalerts.com. Housingalerts, H-O-U, let me just spell one thing, H-O-U-S-I-N-G, alerts, A-L-E-R-T-S.com. And they have a free one for the state. If people want to sign up for it, you can go through, go to my website at uh, real estate success, the, the number four and the letter u.com. And there's a link to that site on my, on my website. Gotcha. Gotcha. We'll link all that in the show notes for everybody. Sure. But uh, you led me to my next question really was about real estate success for you. And you wrote a book, Real Estate for Beginners. Why, why did you decide to write the book and, and what's in the book? Well, well, I decided to write the book because... <clears throat> I saw that we were coming into a very similar situation as we saw in 2008 with subprime uh, meltdown and all of that. So what we what I said was, well, let me just take some of my experience over the years. I can kind of coalesce it into a somewhat readable book format and uh, then just kind of get people ready who, who don't know anything about real estate to to take advantage of what's coming up. I went to so many meetings, the real estate investor meetings, and I, they'd say, I'd say, how many people are new here? And basically, it used to be 50% of the people would raise their hands. And I, they knew nothing about real estate. And we'd have these talks about, you know, subject to or, you know, Airbnb and all this other stuff. And people would had no idea what was going on. And I said, you know, it'd be kind of good is if they had a primer or a, just a real super introductory book that just says, this is what you do. Here's, here's how to, to do this. You can be a person that is going to be heavily involved in in the motor, in the real estate or you're going to have somebody else take it over for you and things of that nature and I try to that's how the structure of the book is is geared around what do you what what can you do where can you start where can you start with no money you can do driving for dollars and you want to get your door foot in the door like that then you can do short you know short sales but um try to think what the word is drawing a blank which is very sad <laughs> It must be half Zimers. I'm getting too old anymore. Um, but you're, you know, you're taking the, you're getting the, just the process to start from having no money. And there are certain aspects of getting involved in real estate, which are you, you don't have to have money to, to, to start up. And then you can build it, build up to get it to higher and higher 
more and more involvement and stuff like that. So that's that's kind of what the book is structured around. And one of the things, one of the chapters is, and I know I know you saw in some of your questions, is the why. Why are you in real estate and why do you want to be in real estate? And I came across a book many years ago called by uh, Michael Pantalon from, I think, Harvard. It's called The Instant Influence. And he basically came up with a quote-unquote formalization of how to decide should you get into real estate? What's your motivation? And it keeps it's called the five whys. And you just keep asking yourself, why do I want to do this? Well, why do you want to get into real estate? Well, I want to get money. Okay, well, that's a nice answer. Everybody wants that. Well, once you get the money, what are you going to do? Well, I'll spend more time with your family. Why do you want to spend more time with your family? Well, my father worked all the time and we never saw him. So I don't want to be that kind of father. I want to be this. So in reality, the reason, what's your base motivation for getting involved in real estate? And that's so critical to have some level of longevity with it. Because, you know, you can kind of go, well, I'm going to do this. And it's like, yeah, that's crazy. You know, but let's yeah. figure out why you want to do this. And I've been reasonably successful over the years at this process. So I, I understand what my motivation is. And, you know, just to be incredibly wealthy, it goes with being incredibly handsome. That's all I know. So <laughs> real estate is definitely a get rich slow scheme. So if you don't. Yeah, that's, ex get, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it demands, and I, like I said, I, I alluded to this, it demands the utmost amount of honesty. And you have to realize that what you're doing is helping people. And if you don't go with that, an open heart and with that in mind, uh, it's probably not the best thing for right. you. You know, but if you can go in with the genuine idea of helping people, this is a really wonderful business to be in. Right. Well, I want to shift this now to our last round. We're calling this the five toppings. Our first one is, what is your favorite book or what is a book you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? Jeez. Oh, Outside of the Bible has been, you know, I read the Bible because it's the book the winners wrote. That's the way I look at it. It's like, okay, this has lasted pretty long. So there's a, there's all the stuff in, in human history there. So I think there's, there's that aspect. Uh, just books I've read, you know, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad kind of thing. I thumbed through that and- I've part of my problem is I've read so many scientific papers over the years. I have I have boxes and boxes and boxes, and so I finally uh, got down. So I'm I'm reading some books that I made, made rereading books I read 20 years ago, and so it sounds like it's you know rich dad poor dad sounds, but it's good to go back and see the motivation Great. there, see the underpinnings, and so I would say that's a good book even to go back and read just to Great. say. Why am I doing this? Why am I why am I focused here? And and what are the benefits and stuff? And things are going to change, and prices are going to go up as they always do. But the opportunities are still going to be there. Yep. Our second one is: I believe that the person you become ten years from now is directly correlated to the habits that you have and the things you do every day. What are some of the habits that you have every day? Oh, my ha everyday habits are exercise, exercise every day. Get out, breathe you know, the air. woods. Yeah, yeah. We're, well, just watch out for the deer and the antelope where they roam, you know. <laughs> Although I've been chased by a cow or two, and, and it was really kind of funny as I was doing some, I, I do sprint workouts and stuff two twice a week. So, and I recommend that you do something like that. If you're going to exercise, just jogging is not good enough. You need to get your pulse up. There's a good, there's some very short stuff. You do like eight 30-second sprints, and you walk for a minute and a half between the sprints, and that's equivalent. They've done some studies, and I, I can get the paper for you. Uh, that says that's equivalent to running for 45 minutes. You're actually only sprinting for four minutes, but you have to sprint and stuff like that. It's painful, but that's the best way to do it. 
my wife was taking a picture of me and someone's wolf, someone's wolf, literally it's a wolf, was running with me one day. And she has a video of me running down the road and there's a wolf running alongside of me. <laughs> I thought that was funny. It's yeah. crazy stuff. That's something I do every day. I, I, I get on the computer. I look at Zillow every day. I try to stay in touch with the market. I try to see what's going on. I mean, uh, I, one of the, one of the, I did a bunch of blogs about a year or so ago. I was talking to people. I said, this Evergrande thing in China is going to kill us on Evergrande. You know, they were the largest of, of the, the property developers in China. They were $320 billion in debt. And then China came up with these three red lines, which essentially said, you guys can't borrow any more money. This is a Ponzi scheme and you can't borrow any money. And, and it's, it's so sad for the people of China because the CCP only let them invest in real estate. And that's why they have all these ghost cities in, in China. They have enough ghost, they have enough apartments in China in these ghost cities to house the entire population of France which is like 60 million people. And so 60 yeah. million empty buildings, now empty apartments, I don't know how many buildings there are. And so uh, it was, that just influenced me so strongly. And just the it, it, a comparison was, I keep going back to subprime. Subprime cost the United States, the economy about $6 trillion. The failure of the property development companies in China is going to cost $60 trillion when all is said and done. And so that, that has to influence us here. It has to impact us on it at a tremendous scale. And there, besides, you know, China's China is just their demographics have doomed them, sadly. And their one-child policy has made them, you know, I don't know, and I've heard this from other people that China will exist as a country in ten or twenty years because they have no more people to work for them. Everybody yep. that worked is now forty and fifty and retiring. They don't have any children to backfill it. It's kind of sad. Yep. Yeah. Sad. So anyway. sounds like some Peter Zion stuff, your neighbor yeah. down the road. Yeah, I've seen his stuff. It's pretty good. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Our third one is what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, run the mile, don't run the two mile. No, it's <laughs> sorry, sorry. sorry. Um oh piece of advice to receive. I know I thought about that. Um just trust trust your guts. Trust your guts. You know. To learn to listen to your instincts and it's your subconscious mind and your subconscious mind only talks to you through emotions and your conscious mind you know the I, I since I was I worked for the DoD for many years and people would come back from different parts of the world pretty well damaged and physically and emotionally and stuff and we found that using hypnosis they were able to avoid using opioids which I thought was fascinating so I became a certified hypnotherapist and I still help people to this day. One guy I helped, he had broken his L3 and L5 and could barely walk. And so we were able through hypnosis to change his perception of his pain so he could walk without taking opioids. And so in the process of learning hypnosis, you can learn how to help people. And so you, you learn that you, your conscious mind, your unconscious mind, they're not really separate. The uh, it's kind of the best analogy. It's wrong. This analogy is wrong, but it's it's one we have is uh, the consciousness is like an iceberg, and the majority of the your you who you are is in your unconscious is under the water, and this little veneer that's sticking out above the water is your conscious mind, and we begin to think that the role of the conscious mind is to justify what your unconscious mind already decided, 
And so if you can that... learn to listen to your unconscious mind, because it picks up everything and it's telling you the truth as much as it can. And you've got to learn to listen to that. I've done that with so many deals. I've done that where I, you know, I, this guy was going to rent a house for me or something like that. And I just got this weird feeling about him and it turned out to be the right move. You know, I just like, he was, oh, I want to rent this house and stuff. And, and I just got this little, he had this mile long criminal record of, and mm -hmm. he had, he'd run out on so many landlords and just ruined their houses. So you'll feel that. And so, you know, trust your, trust your, trust yourself. Really just yeah. learn to trust your instincts. It's one of the best yeah. things you can learn. So. Well, our fourth one is, what are you most proud of in your life? My children. How old are they? Uh, let's see. They're older now. <laughs> 33, uh, 30, and 27. That's and, awesome. Uh, you know, it's, I, I've, I've been to interviews and they go, what's your, and they're like, oh, you've done, you quote unquote, done this or done that. And I'm like, you know, I, I really, it, it, they, I don't know how the children turned out. I, I don't know why they still love me, but they still love me. We didn't go through the dad, I hate you stage, which was really nice to avoid that. So, uh, but that's, you know, that my family is, is the thing I'm most proud of. Not that I did anything. You know, it's mostly been, I lucked into this. That's <laughs> that whole, whole thing is, I'd rather be lucky than smart. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Send some of that good juju this way. That's right. That's right. So that's, you know, that's what I'm most proud of. Their successes yeah. and everything like that. It just really brings joy to my heart. Yeah. Well, our fifth and last one is, if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, that's... That's a, I, 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 I saw that question. I looked at that before and it's like, who would I do that? I'd like to sit down with George Washington. Yeah. I would just like to sit down with George Washington and just see, he had so many, um, he started the French and Indian war. The, he started the first world war. You know, he, he, he inadvertently attacked this group of people that he shouldn't have attacked. It started a world war. And I'm like, and then he went on to, to do all this other stuff. And then he, he decided at the height of his power to step away. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, to me, that's like, wow, how did you do that? How did you get through Valley Forge? You know, he he had to have people executed. How do you do that? You know, and he, you know, I mean, if you look, I think, uh, let me see if I can pull up the statistics here, just on the American, uh, how things are in America. Oh, that's the wrong one. Uh, but, you know, it's a 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. And I think that's where we kind of go back to some of that stuff. Uh, let's see, nine were killed in, on the field of battle. I think nine were killed on the field of battle. Um, trying to think, 17 had were murdered with their family. They were murdered. Five were sent to, to England and were, were tortured to the end of the war. And you realize the people that founded this country were willing to put their lives on the line. Literally, signing the Declaration of Independence, they um, they were signing a suicide note. They were because it was death to do that, and they, you know, they most of them ended up penniless at the end of the war, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, but many of them drew back from that, and so it's like you have to kind of put yourself. And I, this is probably somewhat far from what you're saying, but I think that's. That's something that came right to mind because I've thought about that. Uh, just and one of the things that that truly brings tears to my eyes uh, is the Star Spangled Banner. Is if you realize, uh, and you you know the story of the Star Spangled Banner, Fort McHenry yeah. and stuff like that. Yep. And the yep. flag stood up, 
Well, what you have to realize is the flag was still standing because the people inside there put the dead bodies, used the dead bodies to hold the flag up. I didn't know that. They used dead patriots' bodies to hold the flag up. That's why it stood. Hmm. And like I said, I get, emo I get emotional about that. But I mean, those are the kind of things people don't know about the history and stuff. And that's that's just unbelievable how they did that. And our country's founded on those principles. And, and those are the principles that we need to carry forward. And I try to keep those in my real estate. I try to keep them when I'm working with people. And if you can do that and just just hold on to you you being you and being as honest and open with people as you can be. I had a guy call me the other day when I suggested, hey, I could take over your note. And he goes, you're a scammer. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to just take that. I'm just going to take that shot because this guy doesn't know that uh, his house is, I will see his house in foreclosure here in a few weeks because he's, you know, he's trying to, he's, he bought at the top of the market. He's got to move and he can't sell his house. And because he, he can't list it with an agent because he doesn't want to pay that. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, so you I'll just take over. Yeah. Keep your, keep your integrity. It's your integrity is going, is the difference in the thing. Staying for the long term. It's a, it's like you said just a little while ago, get rich slow. If you're yep. going to get rich, then get rich slow. And this is, Real estate is probably the best way to do that that I've seen. Yep. And I have a PhD, so I should know. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are a doctor. Well, Brian, fantastic, or Dr. Penn, fantastic conversation. Like if Dr. our listeners Penn. wanted to reach out to you, learn more about you, uh, where is the best place we can point them? Okay, I, I put one website together. I have several websites, but this one is a real estate success for you. So it's real estate, the word success, the number four, and the letter U after that, dot com. And so there's access to the book, Real Estate Investing for Beginners. It's a, it's a pretty short read and stuff like that, but it does cover all the basics you need to go into a real estate meeting and talk to the other investors. And then I have an accompanying Udemy course that you can access from there too, where I, basically the book was meant to be the course book for, for, the, for the, uh, the course. It was meant to be the textbook for the course. So, and But uh, COVID kind of threw everything into a little bit of a tailspin there yep yep well we will link those in the show notes and then brian thank thanks you. for coming on the show thank you so much matt i really appreciate it thank you for listening to ice cream with investors if you like what we serve you here it would mean the world to me if you would like subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app